highest of heights to the depths of the sea. But notice it says, uh, nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, even though God had told him, your, your ministry, your kingship, your lordship over my people is done. You've been rejected, Saul, because of your disobedience and your self-will, and I'm choosing another man. And Saul didn't know who that was at the time, but he knew someone was going to be put in his place. And Saul went on to reign for a number of years. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Thanks for joining us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel. In chapter 15, God had removed Saul from being king over Israel. And today, beginning in chapter 16, the Lord asks Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? There is time to mourn, but there is also time to move on. And as God gave Samuel directions to fill his horn with oil, he knew that God was ready to anoint a new king. God will never allow his work to die with the death or failure of a man. If it is God's work, it goes beyond any man. Samuel may have been paralyzed with mourning because of Saul's tragic rebellion, but God was not paralyzed. Now here's Pastor Rob. Um, but let's get into the Word tonight. Let's get into the Word. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Last week, we looked at chapter 15 where Saul was finally and, and soundly rebuked by uh, Samuel. Um, for him not following through on the commandment of God. When God told Saul to go and attack the Amalekites, to wipe out everything, women, child, infant, everything. And, and that sounds foreign to our ears. Um, but one thing you have to understand is that uh, children, uh, God, God is a good judge, okay? You don't have to worry about God not being fair. He is the one who is more fair than any judge all the Supreme Court judges together, and even beyond that, he is, he is an, a fair judge. And God knows, I believe that when children are, when their lives are taken at a very young age, and there's some scriptural backing up of this, not a great deal, but I, but I believe because God is good that those children, they go to, they go to glory. And it be, only becomes a, an issue when they become old enough to understand their sin nature and they understand the gospel and reject it. Then they're accountable to that truth. And then they are judged accordingly. But I think children, I believe children, um, and so there's a mercy there that, you know, we could go into that. But I, I, I really, um, I'll just stop there because we could uh, spend some time there. But it's an important thing to consider because God is not an angry God. He's not this vengeful, hateful God as some people have portrayed him. He's quite the opposite. In fact, the more I study the Bible, the more I know Jesus myself, the more I realize he is a... a 
He is more loving and compassionate, and I'm just blown away at his grace. Even in the Old Testament, you hear people reading of the Old Testament, and they think, well, the God of the Old Testament is this wrathful thing, just you know, wanting to kill people, and it's far from the truth. It's far from the truth. If you look carefully, there is grace all over that place. There's grace all over the Old Testament. And God is the same. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the bottom line is God tells Saul a very easy command. Well, it's not easy maybe to implement, but he said, I want you to go into the Amalekites for what they did to the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. And because of what they did, and because they're a wicked people, by the way, okay, God is not capricious like some gods, like the God of Islam, Allah, who is really not a God at all. The Bible says he's a demon. He's a demon. It's a false god. And any false god other than, than God the Father, Jehovah God, is a demonic being. And so, but the God of Islam is very capricious. Just kill. Just kill. If they're not, if they're not one of us, kill them. But see, Jesus never calls us to kill anybody, especially now. I mean, there's a reason for all of that, but we won't get into that either tonight because we'll derail the service. But God is just. He's just. And Saul... Given a very clear command, he, he doesn't follow through with it all the way. And this is the second time, at least the second or third time, where Saul had an opportunity to show obedience, and he would not. He, he did not. He didn't kill uh, all the people like God had told him to because of their sin and their, their idolatry. He didn't kill the king. He, didn't, uh, he spared the very best of the things of the flock when he should have destroyed those animals too, the cows and the sheep and everything. And he didn't do that either. And God cannot use a man or a woman who is self-willed. Because he's not going to argue, he's not going to wrestle us. You know, we've got to come on his terms and be willing to obey him. And, um, and so finally Saul had to be, um, the Lord had to rebuke Saul. And he basically deposed him and and certainly the Lord knew all of this in advance. It was no surprise to God that Saul would do these things. But God had already had on his heart and his mind another man. And we know his name because we're going to read about him tonight, David. God had always had on his heart a man after his own heart. And David was such a man. And all the time that Saul is ruling and reigning, because he reigned and ruled for 40 years in Israel. And all, you know, during a chunk of that time, David is out in the field shepherding his father's flock of sheep. And David is learning so many life lessons out there in the, in the fields, in the valleys where the sheep are. He's learning how to take care of them. He's learning how to defend them. He's learning responsibility. And the Bible says that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. And God is searching us out. He is, he's got that little staff in his hand, and he loves to just wrap it around us and bring us closer and speak words of love to us, if we're willing. He's always going after us in a loving way because he knows what's best for you, and he wants you to be where he is, ultimately. I think sometimes God wants us to be with him more than we want to be with him, especially the people outside of the church. They, they don't even know what they're missing. Right? And that's why we have to tell them. We have to tell them what they're missing. Because it is such a glorious future. It really is. I mean, not only for the future, but even now. I mean, can anybody attest that your life, since you've given your heart to Christ, that your life is, is better now than it ever has been? It, it really is. It's not without complications. It's certainly difficult. It can be challenging. But there's a peace. 
There's a peace and there's a contentment and there's a, a hope because you know where you're going. Not because of any righteousness that any of us have done, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. His finished work, that is all that matters. It's the only thing that could have gotten us into heaven to begin with is what he did on the cross, that one sacrifice. God Almighty going to the cross in the flesh for you and I, paying the price that I deserve. Because what do I deserve? What do you deserve? I hate to say it, but we all deserved hell. (laughs) Nobody likes to talk about that, but that's the truth. That's what we deserve. But aren't you glad that God's heart is, I don't want you to go to that place. But a God of love has to do that. And he, 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 he will take the choice that you make and honor that choice. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You make the decision. You make the decision. So let's read the first 16, um, our first 13 verses of this, and then we'll just get right into it. Notice in chapter 16, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Because if you remember in the, in the previous couple of verses, it says in verse 34, it says, Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gabeah of Saul. And Samuel no more went no more to see Saul until the day of his death, which we're going to find out is actually several chapters away from now. And it's not until chapter 31 that Saul is killed in battle. But notice it says, uh, nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, even though God had told him, your, your ministry, your kingship, your lordship over my people is done. You've been rejected, Saul, because of your disobedience and your self-will, and I'm choosing another man. And Saul didn't know who that was at the time. But he knew someone was going to be put in his place. And Saul went on to reign for a number of years. And we're going to see that David was the one who was on the run. Because Saul became so jealous of David for his musical ability. We're going to see that tonight. He was jealous of him because of his warrior. You know, he was a, a warrior. And he was a good fighter. He was a, um, an excellent man. He had an excellent heart about him. He was honest. He was dependable. And on top of that, he was a good-looking, good red-headed kid. <laughs> and Saul was insanely jealous over this man. And what started off, we'll find out tonight, he loved him at the beginning when Saul first met him. And then as time went on, it began. David's character began to expose Saul's rotten character. And Saul became so bitterly jealous. Isn't that funny about love? I mean, he really did. It says that he, he loved him dearly. And yet as time went on, it exposed who Saul really was, and Saul became hateful of him so much that he would, for years, be hunting him. And David would, already being anointed king by Samuel, he would be on the run, and he wouldn't be king for a number of years until Saul died in chapter 31 at the Philistines' hand. But David... So it says in 16 here, verse 16, chapter 16, excuse me. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears me, hears of it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer, which is a female cow. Take her with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Notice that. Underline that, actually, in your Bible. Samuel did what the Lord said. It's that simple. (laughs) 
we'll come back to that later. And then he went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and they said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel arose and went to Ramah, went back home. Samuel, that's his hometown, his hometown. So let's go back and look at verse 1 here, and we'll get into this. Notice, you know, the Lord speaking to Samuel, how long will you mourn for him? You know, Samuel and Saul had this interesting relationship, and Saul was really like a young son, in, in, in a sense, to Samuel. Samuel was this older statesman, really, of the faith, a, 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 a judge and certainly a prophet, a, a man highly respected. We saw in earlier chapters, just a few chapters ago, how Saul really looked up to Samuel. I mean, he really was the the guy who was holding the heart of Israel, really, because of his character. And Saul was showing himself to be very flimsy and very like Mercury, just kind of moving all around, not really stable at all. And yet Samuel was the stable one. And yet God gave the people of Israel what they wanted. They wanted a king like all the other nations. It's funny, even nations have peer pressure. You know, you may look at somebody and think, well, I wish I had that, I wish I was that gifted. I wish I was that good looking. I wish I had the talents that this person has. I wish I had this ability like this person has. And even nations do that. They look at each other and go, well, you've got a big nuclear arsenal. Well, we want a big nuclear arsenal. You've got new Trident submarines. We want the latest. We want the ones made by, you know, um, you know Elon Musk or something. I don't know what, it, you know, they, they, they want the, the best. and They want to outdo each other. The same thing. But how long will you mourn for Saul? How long are you going to mourn for him, Samuel? Seeing that I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And this Jesse the Bethlehemite, he means Jesse of Bethlehem. Jesse of Bethlehem. And we know that Bethlehem is the house of bread. And Bethlehem is about five miles. Uh, If you were to look at a map of Israel, Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem and actually about ten miles south of where Samuel lived in Ramah. So if you think of it, here's Ramah. 
And then Jerusalem is right here, and then Bethlehem is right here. And literally almost a straight line along a, a road, a very common road of that time. And so for Samuel to travel from Ramah, he would also he would not only have to go through Jerusalem to get down to Bethlehem, but he'd also have to go through Gabeah, which is right there along the road, not too far, and that's the hometown of Saul. And so we're going to see why that'll be interesting here shortly. But the first time we hear of Jesse, this Bethlehemite, is actually in the book of Ruth. Remember, Ruth was David's great-grandmother. King David's great-grandmother was a Gentile. Her name was Ruth. She was a Moabitess from Moab. And at the very last chapter of Ruth, in chapter seven or verse 17 of chapter 4, it says, And, and the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a, a son born to Naomi. It's really not to Naomi. It was really to Ruth, but it's kind of a long story. She's really the grandmother. And they called his name Obed. And then his, he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And it says, Now this is the genealogy, Perez, genealogy of, of Perez, Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begat Ram, Ram begot Abinadab, Abinadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz, who we know is um, um, Ruth and Boaz, and they had uh, Obed, and then Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. And so we see the lineage there, and uh, it's pretty fascinating to understand that. I remember in a few years ago, actually I guess it was in 2005 now, we were in Israel and we traveled uh, south to, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem and the bus was driving along this, this road and it was a big field and, and, and so the bus stopped and we got out and there were these two shepherd, two teenage shepherds, a boy and a girl and they're both teenagers and they had a bunch of sheep out there, and we, we stopped the bus, we got out, and the, 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 they, they came over to us. They came over to us, and it was just like a scene out of, it's so surreal, really. And uh, I remember there was this one woman who was with us, her name, um, oh, brother, it doesn't matter, but she was a 92-year-old woman, really sweet lady, she was in a wheelchair, and the sheep are coming up to her, and they're kind of nudging her with their, you know, their face, and... And uh, it was a really sweet time, and, and just to see this whole thing. And, 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 the, and the young boy, he was able to make these sounds to the different sheep, and they would respond to his voice, L- little, little silly things. You know, you know, he'd make these weird sounds, and certain sheep would respond, or he would say he would do something, and they would all respond. It was, he had complete control, in a sense, over those sheep. But we got to hang out there and have our photo ops, and, of course, they got, they got a pretty good payday because everybody's giving them a dollar and they're walking away loaded, you know. So, um, but anyway, Jesse was from this place of Bethlehem, the house of bread, the very place where Jesus was born several, um, several hundreds of years later. Notice at the end of verse 1, it says, For I have provided myself a king among his sons. Um, you know, again, God gave uh, Israel what they wanted. In Psalm 106, it says, that God gave them their request, speaking of the, the Israelites going through the desert, he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. And there's a funny thing about desiring something so bad and wanting something so bad. If you keep 
asking the Lord, Lord, I want this so bad, you know, sometimes you've got to be careful because you might just get what you asked for. A lot of times the Lord didn't, he never gave me what I asked for because he knew that I couldn't handle it. He knew that I would do wrong things with it. He knew my heart wouldn't be right in it. But there's something about when, 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 when God really knows that you can handle something, and, and it could be a mate, it could be a, a spouse or whatever, and if you're not ready, God may hold off until you're ready because he cares about not only you but for the, the other person. So he's, he's always looking out for you in that way. And, but God gave them what they asked for because they were just bent on it. And finally God gave it to them, and it turned out to be a disaster. So be careful of what you ask for because if, I, if I'm not submitted to God, if my heart is just I want my will done, you're going to have a really interesting life. And I don't mean that in a good way. Be not so excited about getting your way. Because I can tell you, if you let God have his way, you're going to be so much better off. Even though it might, sometimes it might be harder in the long run. If you let him have his way in you, be obedient to him. And guys, we're going to talk about that this next uh, Saturday. Obedience. You know, it's important to be obedient to God. Because if you are, your life's going to be a blessing. It really is. And I can tell you that. Because I've been on both sides of the fence. And I'm much happier on this side of the fence because I can sleep at night. My heart is surrendered to him as best I can know. And so it's good to do that. I would encourage you to do the same. But I believe that David, that God had David in mind all along. And he was going to be the, because he was from the line of Judah, God had promised or prophesied through Jacob a long time ago in the book of Genesis in chapter 49, as he was on his deathbed and his 12 sons were around him, and Judah was one of his sons, he prophesied over him and he told him, the scepter or the right to rule, this scepter like a king would have, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, which is another name for the Messiah, Jesus, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so Jacob even prophesies that it would... That the king, the, the kingly line would come through Judah. Now Paul was a Ben, or I'm sorry, uh, Saul was a Benjamite, but David was from Judah, and that's why that genealogy is so important. Because Perez, as we looked earlier, was the son of Judah, Judah, and so David was the rightful king, and it would be through that line of kings that Jesus would come. Jesus came through the line of Judah. He came as a Jew. And his reign will reign forever. His kingship will reign forever. So in verse 2, it says, Samuel says, How can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you. And I say, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You know, it's interesting, at this point in Saul's life, he and Samuel, their relationship was probably at its weakest at this point because God had told Saul or Samuel to reject Saul on behalf of God and basically tell him that. And I'm sure that wasn't very easy for him to do. And just the thought that Samuel would think that Saul might kill him leads me to believe their relationship was pretty rocky at this point. And again, you know, when, when God tells him to go to Bethlehem and to have a sacrifice and sanctify Jesse and his, his sons, he's going to have to go right through Gabeah. 
on that route. He's going to have to go right straight through. It's just there's mountains and it's very uh, difficult to navigate. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.